Welcome back to the Back to the Movies podcast series. I am your host, Matt Scalisi, who is gratefully finally coming down the final stretch of the Back to the Movies journey through the top 50 films of 1983. And uh, today we are looking at number three on the list. Can you believe there number are Number one in our hearts. That, that many left. Um, <laughs> number three on the list, Flashdance. And uh, joining me to talk about this is my co-host for the Cinematrimony podcast series and my guest for several of these other uh, Back to the Movies podcasts and, as it also happens, completely coincidental to those <laughs> other things, my wife, Francesca Roscoe Scalisi, or... Whatever. Whatever. I just, I just want to give your family name a drop there. Frankly, after this, they may wish you hadn't. <laughs> so, Francesca... Matt Scalise. We've, unfortunately, you got signed up for the two movies in the top ten uh, in 1983 that were dance-based. Are you, Wait, what are you talking about? I we also, also did, looked at... I also did Mr. Mom. And we did, good. And we also did Staying Alive, though. If you could even call. Which is definitely... We did. Yeah, a podcast. Right. It's definitely the shortest of the podcast. Um, so... I mean, do you have, like, a particular affinity for dance movies? I'm pretty sure the way that worked out, Matt, is that you told me I would be doing those movies. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, I have yeah. some sway around here, I guess. Uh, well, we only have one TV. It's <laughs> more what it is. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I mean, neither one of us are, are, are fans of this genre well, no. of dance movies. I don't know. Well, well, then fine. Tell me, do, do you have some dance movies you like? No. Yeah. I like musicals, though. So you think like totally oh, different, though. That, that's I know. this is a genre in and of itself of, and, I, and I'm going to talk about this a lot more in the in the review on the Film Nerds blog, and actually with the assistance of a uh, a, a good friend of the program, Suzanne Flanagan, the sister, the far the the more intelligent sister of the Flanagan the most brothers, beautiful of the Flanagans. Yes, let's say, and uh, she's she's actually uh, a very knowledgeable person about the subject of dance, and she's been. Um, She's actually been on Ben Flanagan's uh, talk show uh, to discuss it back when Black Swan was out. Uh, she gave me some some good, interesting material about this genre in general, and that's going to be well, discussed. Don't ruin it for me. I'm no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to ruin it. But um, <clears throat> but just just to kind of get into it though, this this whole genre in general kind of baffles me. I don't get the appeal of it because it's like. I guess it's sort of played like sports movies, uh, and just in this case, the sport is dance. And I guess that's just showing my bias uh, because when I watch a sports movie, there's the inevitable montage of the act- the characters are actually playing the sport or whatever it is. Um, and in, you know, you basically take the the dance movies instead, and you just swap those out for dance sequences. Or jog dancing sequences. To me, my personal favorite of the me, dance sequences. But to me, here's the thing that that separates that where where that sort of comparison falls apart is that sports movies. Um, I, I don't feel like they're as built around showing people playing sports as dance movies are built around showing people dancing. Does that make any sense? You know, yeah. football movies are often more about the characters. And the situations they're in when they're going into these competitions, and they they don't actually show you a lot. So like for example, remember the Titans? You don't actually see a lot of 
football being played in that movie. Well, that's because football's boring. But but any movie, uh, even like basketball movies, where it seems to be, I mean, that's that's a lot less confusing of a sport to show on screen because there's fewer people out there. But well, but with a sport though, I mean, at the end of the day, what's important is who wins. You know, right? And and I so guess you can, you it's can less dispense with you know <laughs> actually showing the nuts and bolts of it. Whereas dancing, I mean, what's the point of dancing? Maybe that's my it's thing. Dancing. Maybe that's maybe that's my issue with this is that in a in a sports movie, that's a plot development when we're watching them play sports because they either win or they lose, and it means something when they do. Uh, excuse me, in dance. It seems like you're forgetting the. Uh, Dance sequence in flash dance involving the woman in kabuki makeup and the. Uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna the, have uh, to embed that one in the you, you guys television are, set and also the uh, graph paper wallpaper corner set that she was dancing if there's, in. If there's absolutely any way that I can find that clip of that of the the sort of older brunette woman doing her dance routine in this, in this like. David Lynch inspired. We need to talk about the movie dance man. routine. It will be in the post. Let's yeah. talk about the fact that these women are exotic dancers who do not strip. They literally just are. I mean, exotic in the sense of like doing cracked out, like modern interpretive dances. Yet men go and ogle at them while they do this, but they're not strippers. Francesca, here's the thing. But it's and, but like what they're doing isn't even tantalizing. Like it's just weird dancing. Here's, but men go and watch them. Right. Listen, I mean, how did it work out that two of the three podcasts you've done with me in this series involve the discussion of strip clubs? It's just lucky, I guess. <laughs> we already debated whether or not there was ever really the phenomenon of the male strip club, and that that was heavily attended. Which I think by that my aunt Maria uh, did vouch for the fact yeah. that, that was, there was like a period of time. Your, your aunt actually <laughs> verified that for us. But, but, no, but, Upsettingly enough, but, but but here what we're talking about, and by so the, what what they're sort of painting this picture of this reality in this movie is there are. There are, there's this sort of classy strip club where she works, where they just... But they don't strip. They don't or strip. Or they don't even do burlesque. I mean, it's, yeah. there is literally not really any taking off of clothing. No, it's just sort of modern jazz dancing, basically. For the benefit of men who work at the mill or yeah. the, the welding place. And then there's also, though, at the other side of town, there's the bad strip club where they're actually... Where is it's all nude all the time, which when they actually go there, they are wearing G-strings. They are not all nude at all. Which, well, I mean, thank you for that, but right, so they make a really big deal of being, like, all nude girls all the time, and, and they're you, just topless. So you're, you sound like you're disappointed or something. Um, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, just say topless, you know? Like, right. <laughs> why did they make such a big deal about that they were all nude when, or just, you know, only shoot from the waist up. Leave it, Yeah, you well, know, they're trying to but they don't. preserve like the fully the R women rating. are wearing panties. It's as funny they, because... As they should also be wearing bras and clothing. This movie, but, this movie totally... Other than that scene, there's no reason this movie is rated uh, R. Yes, there is. Why else? It is because she um, goes through a bipolar period where sweet Jennifer Beals, who, like, starts out the movie, she's, like, this every woman. She's, she, she's got this, like, annoyingly cute smile. So, like, she's, like, really sweet and innocent. And then there's the lobster scene <laughs> where right. she is <laughs> giving someone a foot job. Is that what you would call I it? Don't I don't know. know. And sexually and, eating lobster. And not wearing a shirt under a jacket, but she's wearing like the... 
It was very strange. Like, and then she gets like irrationally angry at him at one point and starts like cursing up Blue Streak. Right. It's like, what? What is going on? Because I don't they remember sort of when. Did, sent, when was she swearing at him? After she thought he was sleeping with the woman at the, you know. Oh yeah, when she throws a bottle through his window. Yeah, or whatever. and then he yeah. confronts her, and she totally like. Yeah. It's totally working blue. And it doesn't make any sense at all because they spent the first half of the movie trying to set her up as this like sweet innocent, and 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 it's it's a gross relationship anyways because the guy is like fifty and and they make a point of saying she's eighteen, and the way he caught she, he, she caught his eye was that she was doing a sort of sexy dance. It's like why am I supposed to be rooting for this skeezy right. guy? He's her boss, and really he looks like he's like fifty. And he's not cute. It's just a really gross relationship. I don't quite get it at all. Like, at no point was I rooting for them. I think, like, what this movie... To me, when you see this movie now, I don't... I cannot account for why this movie is the number three most successful movie of the year Maybe it was the all-nude, not-all-nude strip club. I don't think so. There's... if, If you wanted salacious stuff... There have been plenty of movies way further down the list in this in this year than Flashdance. It, I, I can't, I can't get my head around the appeal of it because it's well, like I'm when looking- you look at the the director Adrian Lin, who this was kind of his first thing because apparently, um, from from the background that I'm reading here, that movie was actually offered to David Cronenberg, who turned it down, and that then would have been interesting. Yeah, and then Brian De Palma turned it down to do Scarface, and actually. There are a lot of similarities between this movie and Scarface, believe it or not, that I was noticing just as far as... Because the, somebody said cockroach? Well, there, someone says cockroach, <laughs> but also the the music is all... Um, it, it's it's I believe it's by the same guy, Giorgio Moroder, did the music in both of those movies. And it has this, like... It immediately dates both of those movies, more so than a lot of the other 83 movies. Those movies, you watch them and you feel... That grungy, like synthesizer. Oh yeah, but it's but it's um, what 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 Marauder I, I guess I have gathered is was doing is he was kind of popular because he would he would write songs for movies instead of just score them. He wrote like pop songs specifically for movies, and they weren't really She's hits. A yeah. So and she works as an exotic dancer. Yeah. So like the the title song, by the way, one. The Oscar that year, best it's best original awesome. song, and uh, and I, it was like such that actually was a huge hit outside of the movie. None of the Scarface songs were actually hits really outside of the movie, but they if you listen to them, it sounds like you could be tricked into thinking they were big hits from the eighties. Mm-hmm. But but this one, the Flashdance song, actually was a big hit, and Irene Cara became a huge uh, celebrity because of that song. No, she was already a big celebrity. Was Irene Cara was big yeah, before she's that? The girl who sings Fame. Okay. She went. She had like so a. So she's a big deal already. Late seventies, early eighties thing. She was in. She actually movie. she makes a cameo in DC Cab. Heck yes, she does. And they're like they're like, are you are you Irene Cara? Yeah, she was kind of like a three hit wonder. Yeah, like she didn't. She put out a couple songs, but they were all like huge hits. Right. So. Here's the, yeah. here's another little Please, interesting. Don't act like Irene Cara is not. Anybody. I don't know, that, but it's it's interesting when you when like because there's there's a lot of notes about who all these big name guys that were going to play the male character too, which ended up being played by this guy named Michael Nori, who's just uh, nasty, nasty. And uh, you know, I guess it's weird because in the end, uh, this is this is a huge movie, but none of the people in it would be considered 
anywhere remotely famous today. I'm looking at the poster, and I'm thinking, all it is is a picture of this girl, and it says Jennifer Beals, Flashdance. Like, do people know who she was? Other than Flashdance. Like, I don't... Jennifer Beals, I mean, to, to, to me and you today, Jennifer Beals, all she is is the Flashdance chick. I mean, right. I don't, I can't think of anything else that she did that was a big deal. So it's really weird, and she definitely didn't do anything before that, right? So, like, why on earth is it, like, they were using her to sell the picture, or I mean, to sell, or her picture to sell the movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking like up her, her, uh, filmography right here, and I'm, I'm still yet to see anything that I recognize. Yeah, pretty weird. So. I think that this can all best be summed up by the fact that you said, and I agreed with you, while we were watching the movie, like, Oh man, like this makes Dirty Dancing look like such a good movie because the thing is, Dirty Dancing <laughs> it really does. You you watch it and you know it's dumb, but there's like a camp appeal to it. But it also and it's has enjoyable a, to watch, even though you know it's a dumb and bad movie. But let me tell and you, this the is reason, like not enjoyable to watch. Yeah, the reason that I said that when what I was thinking when I said that is, Dirty Dancing actually has a story, right. and like and like don't get me wrong, I would never choose to watch Dirty Dancing of my I mean, own volition. If it was on ABC Family, but, I would. But it actually has a story that you can follow, and the characters are uh, have personalities, and they all play roles in the story. John Hughes didn't write that, did he? Are we talking about Dirty Dancing right now? Yeah, I'm just wondering. <laughs> no. well, you know, it was this time. No, John, Hughes, people, John you know. Hughes did not write it, no. I'm just checking. But, um, I'm not an idiot. I just want to Anyway, I don't want to talk any more about Dirty Dancing than I have to, other than to use to make a point. But, but I'm just saying, like, I know that's a bad movie, but it's also a very watchable movie. I would never, ever, ever watch Flashdance again. But, like, but yeah, so that's where I'm good, going here. It like, doesn't it have watchable. it doesn't have a story. It has two characters in it, and Don't neither of them. The ice skater and the stand-up comedian who was hilarious. Let me tell you, fun of the Polish the, people. The, and I want to talk about the ice skater because there's also another blonde woman in the who I I confused the two characters quite a bit. Um, and the the other blonde woman that I'm talking about was the woman who was in uh, she was in Staying Alive. She's Cynthia the Rhodes. Cynthia Rhodes was in Staying Alive. But as it, basically her entire character in this movie is just someone who walks around saying, "Should I call him? Should I call him? I don't know if I should call him." And that's at the her end character. Of the movie, she and then she calls like, him. He called or something. Oh right, yeah, and it's an old man. Yeah. Oh yeah. But. Uh, Oh, it's a bit like it's stuff like that, and so yeah, the ice skater. She's not. There, there's nothing to her. She's she's totally forgettable. Except for she like. Except for except the, her, she totally busts it on her whatever trial thing that she's doing. Yeah, and then Jennifer Beals says like, "No, you don't understand. She'll never ice skate again." <laughs> he's like, "Why? That's it. Did they like shoot her like a yeah, horse because she fell down one time? Like, what does that mean?" I will say that ice skating scene. I think I actually said like. I'm gonna kill her or something. Like it didn't make any sense. Every, in a in a bad movie, in like a just a totally worthless movie, I always like to at least I, I can usually find one thing in it, especially when it's like ambitiously bad. You can find one scene where you're like, they actually pulled something off there. And to me, the ice skating scene, there's a couple of moments of that where I go, you know what? This is kind of cool. This is kind of watchable. Because it's just – there's something weird about it. It's almost like music video-ish. And actually what I should say is it's probably commercial-ish because Adrian Lin was a commercial director before this movie. Yeah, I so – I don't remember anything. Well, it's the, the ice skating scene. It's like, it's like the camera's like following her ice skating 
while Gloria from Laura Branigan oh, is playing. Right. And it's like this, this that confluence of things happening. It just really worked for me. Now, it could have ended up being like, you know, like Spring Break, that movie Spring Break. I, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this, but I've, I've sort of harped on this a lot. It's a totally terrible movie. And there's one scene in it that is basically a Coke commercial in the middle of the movie. And it's a, it's like a really good scene. And they, they like got a good song and set it to it. And it's this guy like running down the hallway. It's almost like they brought in a different director for that one scene. And I think what it was is uh, in, in this movie, when you put a guy like that who's used to directing commercials, when you put him in a situation where he's basically doesn't have to worry about telling the story or following all these rules of directing that involve helping people keep up with what's happening in a movie, when you just go like get out there and just shoot this scene and make something that's aesthetically cool for a few seconds, I think he can sort of knock that out of the park. But when you ask him to do any more than that, he he just falls all over himself. Well, and that would explain, you know, to me in a film, story is king. And when the story is convoluted and like, I mean, like I'm thinking about it, I was like totally not invested in her getting into a dance school. Like that doesn't even. I like, didn't care about her. Yeah, it doesn't. They don't even like kind of drive that point home. Even though I mean, it's you know, it just something about it. They like missed a key ingredient to make it something that you're invested in. Like, I don't care one way or the other. But you know why? Because we did, she didn't show any genuine emotion about it. Like, because she's she, – her as a character, she's supposed to be really cool, you know? And she's kind of emotionally detached, I feel like, for a lot of the movie. Well, I think she's also just not a very good actress. Well, you know what? To be fair. E- Roger Ebert would disagree with you. Roger Ebert said – Jennifer Beals – this is a quote from Ebert's review in 83. He said, Jennifer Beals shouldn't feel bad. She's a natural talent. She's fresh and engaging here and need, and only needs to find an agent with a natural talent for turning down scripts, which unfortunately I guess she never found because well, again, this she, is the she thing. just proceeded to take a ton of terrible movies after like, this. She has an like, Elizabeth Shue sort of like fresh face, like that kind of 80s beauty quality that like she just has this girl next door, a really big smile. But again, that's the thing that's so baffling about this movie is that they don't make her a good girl. Like, they start out the movie like she's just this, like, sweet girl who just happens to dance, you know, at this place at night. But she's really just, like, working hard and making ends meet. And then they just take this shift where she, like, totally becomes a bitch for no reason, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, even, like, before she's being a jerk to the guy, the whole lobster scene, she's being, like weirdly sexual with him but also is like totally like nasty to his ex-wife who comes up right, like yeah. just it totally doesn't make any sense that this girl who's supposed but they like never quite draw her as the good girl either but you can you get the sense from her they that can't she's decide who she is yeah. i mean it's a bad screenplay basically is what's going on there yeah. they just don't write that character to be anything there's no defining characteristic of her you know i want to talk about one other thing that, speaking of Jennifer Beals, because <clears throat> a lot of people have sort of made a deal of this that unlike, for instance, if you want to compare this to Staying Alive, um, John Travolta did all of his own dancing in Staying Alive. Ah, so you did verify that I was correct. You and As you told me when we were watching the movie, Jennifer Beals did not do any of her uh, more intense dancing. They probably did a few establishing shots and the rest of it was edited in with a body double and, and <laughs> nice. particularly the um, the break dancing scene in the audition 
which is apparently performed by a dancer named Crazy Legs. Yeah, I don't understand how you didn't... Like, it's one of the off-lampoon... Well, I didn't know about and that. And, of course, at at its personal best, it is the Stella guys are making fun of it. Yeah, now I've dancing. seen the Stella scene Yeah, where, they're dancing yeah. for the... Uh, from the, the TV show. The condo board. They're trying to get a condo, and they decide right. to break into dance. And they do, like, slow motion, like sweeps by their faces that are yeah. like very clearly someone else in like wigs that match them. Right. We're talking about the, the Comedy Central show Stella. The hilarious Comedy yeah. Central's. But like I, don't, I can't believe you didn't know that. Like I've never seen this movie before but I've watched enough you know like I love the 80s yeah. <laughs> to know like that's a thing that like very famously they did some really bad body doubling. And you can tell when you watch it that it's like a guy <laughs> in a wig <laughs> doing dance in what's supposed to be her incredible dance sequence. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, uh, they, they, they show when you can see her face, what she's basically doing is alternating fist pumps. Right. That's what her stuff is. And then anything more athletic than that, they switch to the body double and Which you can't see the Which would then also explain why you and I were talking about, like, how strange the, the body image of the 80s, like, what was beautiful on a woman was. Mm-hmm. Because any of the dance Well, she has a masculine body, basically, and, and so that's why they can double her with a man. But, but even, like, with the other girls, the other exotic dancers, <laughs> with, without the uh, connotations that that has, they're just really literally exotic because they're doing weird stuff. Right. Like their body, there's, like, a there's a scene of them, like, all, like, pumping iron. Like That's <laughs> right. Oh, the scene where they do, so where it's Joan Jett, where it's I Love Rock and Roll is the yeah. soundtrack, and they're, it's just, like, them doing sit-ups into the camera. Yeah, yeah. And it's like supposed to be super sexy, but they're like, <laughs> the being, like scene. they're all kind of have like a body shape, like you know, like female bodybuilders, yeah. and like. But I remember that that was like that in the eighties was what was beautiful was like it wasn't Muscles. stick skin. It was that you were like you know stick skin. What skin? <sighs> I'm trying to say. I don't stick know what thin. you're saying. Stick thin. Okay. Yeah, but you know it. It like athletic was the build you wanted, but it was like really strange. To, to my sensibility, to make have that, like, a thing. that like Yeah. It was a very stylized, like, you know, scene of them just pumping iron. And it, right. And there wasn't... No, and it didn't make any sense in in the plot. It was just to, to prove, like, yeah, they got these bodies, and this is how, baby. <laughs> they work it out together. What? I don't understand. Until uh, Cynthia Rhodes comically falls over. Because it wouldn't be... Well... It wouldn't be a female-driven female movie. She could stand up, Matt. That's right. We all know that that's a big problem <laughs> for our sex. As we talked about in the Bridesmaids podcast. Hilarious. Um, I, I want to talk about two notes that I wrote down here on my little notepad when we were watching this. One says bra trick. Yeah. The bra trick, which... Is that is that like a thing that people know about? Oh, yes. Okay. That is, that was like the height of sophistication and cool. That she takes off her bra under her uh, sweatshirt. Well, and like, and he's like, you know, 80 year old guy who's in love with her, who's her boss, and who also, you know, gapes at her in an exotic club. Like, you know, you see him go like, when it happens, and she like doesn't comment on it. So I was like, super cool, because she just took off her bra, no biggie. Why is that a thing? It was just sexy without being like overt, you know. Yeah, but then it's an R rated movie and the So what, you're saying you wanted some movies? No, I'm saying they I'm saying they they weren't like trying to be uh classy about anything else the rest of the movie. I feel like I may have also 
and this was probably from I Love the 80s, which is where most of my information about this movie. Like, I think that was, like, something, like, she could just do or something. So, so she like, showed them, and they were like, let's put that in the movie. Yeah. Which, I mean, look, <laughs> if you're going to wear everything off the shoulder, and, you know, you got to show how you got it to be off the shoulder, and you don't have bra strap showing. So I guess she had all of her shirts. You know, oh, right. The, yeah. Right. Okay. Looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, I don't you know. don't know what off the shoulder the, means. The other thing I wrote down was the one joke in the movie that I thought was clever. Oh, which was... Uh, at some point, the guy uh, who's like the little comedian that works in her club, the little <laughs> nice guy comedian, has the worst laugh ever. Um, but he's got his own like little chasing your dreams storyline or whatever that's supposed to be you know like paralleling hers. But uh, he's uh, he's in a he's in an alligator costume when he shows up. What? Right. I don't remember. But like when he shows up for Halloween, or yeah, something. for the like costume party, and somebody says somebody says to him, "See you around, eyes odd." Oh yeah, I thought that was funny. That was a but good it's one. both funny and eighties. Yeah, that's, you know, it got funnier with it was, age. It was right. <laughs> <laughs> it might not have been as funny then as it is now, actually. Yeah, because they were probably like, "What an obvious joke!" But for us, right. like, "What a great reference, <laughs> hilarious." <laughs> an eyes odd reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean. Overall, though, I mean... It's the worst. It's, it's like, here's the thing. I guess I'm kind of... I'm, I'm always going to feel this way about a movie where it's the chasing your dreams movie. You know, you're, it, it's been done so many times that you've got to do something to make us care about why this specific character is chasing their dreams. And you've got to make us care about whether or not that person gets you know, achieves it because we don't, there's nothing original about just the concept of someone chasing their dreams and not giving up on it. You, it, it then becomes about why do we care about this one? Yeah. You know, like they never really established like that she's, you know, struggling or that she has no family. Like there's just nothing. She doesn't really, she seems to be doing her. okay. She's not yeah. struggling. She lives by herself in a warehouse with a dog and visits some old woman yeah. And who, who doesn't have a family. But it's like you don't... You just, but she doesn't seem to care. You. Yeah. No reason to care. I mean, her. she's got two jobs. And she doesn't look like she pays rent. Yeah, she's actually a squatter. She's, she might be doing okay financially. She might have more than us. Everybody has more than us, Matt Scalise. <laughs> Everyone has more than us. <laughs> um... I have nothing more to say about You're it. You're done it with it? Bad. You're done with it? I'm, I washed my hands of this film. Um, I think we kind of knew where it was going when as you're watching the beginning of the movie and it's someone welding <laughs> with a mask on and right. their shirt says Alex. And you're it could just be going, a boy's name. I mean, what, what, nothing nothing weird going to happen here. Just a boy named Alex and then welding. takes the welding hat, whatever you call that, off the mask and just shakes out her fluffy... Her Curly boy. Jennifer Beale hair. The mane. <laughs> mane. It's, I, we knew While probably... While there's still from welding the, going on. Right. Because like, that's safe to have huge With hair hairspray. around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think we knew from the opening scene this was going to be a stinker. Yeah. Well, no, I was holding out a little hope because it's so iconic. You think these things become an icon for a reason, but no, as it turns out, they don't. Sometimes people just latch on to horrible things. Sometimes, uh, yeah, I... 
Because again, know, like I said, Dirty Dancing. Look, people I get. still see bad. I movies. don't get this. I don't get this at all. People still see bad movies in droves, but this is like. But it's not enjoyable. Bad. Right. It's just bad. It's like boring and dumb. Yeah. Um, I'd love for anyone who is a fan of this movie or can explain to us what the what the deal was, why people were excited about it, why it was such like made such a big impact. Um, you know, come to the blog, post on the um, post your comments under our under the post for this, which you'll find in the back to the movie section, or come to our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash film nerds and um, leave us your thoughts there too because I'm I really am desperate to understand what happened. Why did people like this movie? Um, next week though, I'm pretty I'm looking forward to um, to our next movie on this list. Number two coming up on the list and it will be Terms of Endearment. I'm looking forward to the fact that you and Ben are going to be like holding each and other ben, and weeping by the end of ben it. Ben Flanagan will be my um, my guest. Uh, for the podcast, but I'll be, I'll be, I'll come in and see you two cuddling. I've never seen it. You'll be like holding the computer and crying. Have, can what can you tell me to expect from from that? Cry your balls out. <laughs> Do you want to rephrase that? No, I don't. No. Okay. It's a tip of the hat to an old friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I like the reference. I just, yeah, just you are gonna. It is. It is a weepy. Weepy film. This is this is one of two films that I like. I watched this film with a friend, and we were just like, "Let's see what this is all about." And then by the end, we were really like holding each other, weeping. And also, the film Beaches, a friend, a, a different friend, and I watched, and we were like, "This is like supposed to be a girl film. Like this will be fun." And then by the end, we're like having to like hold each other up from collapsing because it made us cry so hard. And this one will make you weep. Like I might have to like leave town when you watch it because just the vibes. The estrogen coming off of it will make me cry. I would say I'm I'm I haven't seen a movie that I but would it say is good. Is it's a good movie. Really, just, really good in this countdown since probably since Silkwood. That that I would say is like a best picture quality level. And this obviously this is the best picture winner from '83. So well, it'll be I'm interesting looking, to see what you and Ben. Yeah, I mean, because it is a very like female centric you know movie, but I think it is a solid movie. But it'll be interesting to see how two such testosterone guys <laughs> feel about it. I appreciate you uh, flattering me so. But anyways, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us once again for this podcast. My pleasure. And um, everybody else, we will see you guys hopefully next week for the, for the next installment of the Back to the Movies series. Two more to go. And then what? Then we'll see. See you